my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing well. It's been a rough couple of years for HR, and we really have been struggling. When you look at the data, whether it's a Forbes article or a WorkVivo report or something from Gallup, or McKinsey, you're seeing the data all around telling us that HR is struggling. The gap between HR and the C-suite, while it may be closing a little bit, we're still having our struggles with getting leadership buy-in to support HR teams. And so today I thought it was important for us to have a conversation with an expert on how it is that we can give better support to HR and how can we get that leadership buy-in. So I want to introduce my guest, Elizabeth Wesley Casella. How are you doing today, Elizabeth? I'm doing really well, and you did a great job with my name. <laughs> <laughs> I pride myself on making sure that I get names right. It's important. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Wonderful. So before we get started, can you just tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Who is Elizabeth? What do you do? What's your passion? Certainly. Um, I am the founder and CEO of a Washington, D.C.-based firm called L12 Services, where we work in the space that really um, talks about the operational value of paying attention to culture. So we work in process improvement, attrition, retention, and attraction strategies. And we help organizations with that heavy lift that they don't have time for at the moment, but that is really, really critical, where we're not only diving into helping elevate institutional knowledge to prevent problems or to overcome challenges such as process and workflow, but we're also also helping to create efficiency, effect, effectiveness, and relationship development. So that means what we're helping HR do is close that gap between leadership and the people who do the jobs and helping people to perform better with more confidence. So you're working closely with HR professionals, right? We are. We're working in that space between the HR professionals and the C-suite, as you were talking about in your introduction. And just out of curiosity, what brought you to um, create your company? What, why did you decide to focus on these things, especially attrition and retention? Because a lot of times people don't really focus on those things. I think it's one of the areas that we as HR really need to get better at focusing on so that we can improve our products and services. But what, what was your why behind starting your company? 
Well, early in my career, I, I became acutely aware that there was a huge chasm between leadership and the people who were doing the jobs and HR was filling some of it. But, you know, 20 years ago, the, the work for HR was much different than it was today. If there was yeah. one thing that is positive that the pandemic helped us to understand is that culture and listening to the people who do the work is incredibly important. But when I started first kind of filling that gap, I was working as an executive assistant. So I would hear the goals and the, the um, you know, direction from leadership, but I'd be having lunch with the people who were, you know, in the staff lounge. And there, there was a, a disconnect. I, I often say that I was translating English to English to try and get people to see each other's points of view. And it wasn't as though it was a, a labor crisis where people were mad at each other. It was more a labor crisis where people didn't understand what success looked like and how to get there because it just wasn't being communicated effectively. So I started filling that, that role and then I eventually built this firm. So again, see a need, fill a need. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's going to become my mantra. See a need, fill a need. Because every time I interview someone who's created a business similar to yours, um, it's always out of, we see the gap, and the, so we're trying to close it. Yes. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad that you exist. Thank you. You're welcome. So, so tell us a little bit about what you're seeing based on your observations in the organizations that you're working with how is HR doing? HR probably has the hardest job out there right now. And um, mm -hmm. I have all the admiration and uh, desire to support HR and HR professionals uh, that I could possibly muster. Um, because we are in a world that has had so much chaos over the last several years and so many policies and processes and expectations changing, um, the people in HR who are able to keep up with everything are often finding themselves on the verge of burnout. And from a human perspective, we, we need to do everything we can to curtail that because HR truly is the glue that holds successful um, organizations together. Yes, we definitely do. And thank you for recognizing that because we really have been struggling for a very long time. Um, to get the support, to just get people to recognize our effort and what's really happening behind the scenes. And that's part of the reason why I created this show, because there's so many misconceptions about who we are and what our role is in the organization. And so I'm really glad that you made that statement about just being the glue that ties everything together, because that's what we really, really are. Right? Whether we're offering those products and services, we're not telling people what to do, but we're making recommendations. And then we're creating products that will help the organization to run smoothly. And that a lot of that is tied around the people, right? How do we encourage and get great talent through the door? How do we keep that talent? Which is why I said, I think it's really great that what you do is focus on things like attrition and retention and workflows, because sometimes we may have just got an overburden process or we may just be missing one little thing that can make people feel like they want to stay and continue to work. 
for an organization. So thanks for sharing that. What do you think the problem is though? What do you think the problem is? Why is it that HR are struggling so much? Well, I think the best way to answer that question might be to reverse engineer it and to say what some of the solutions in, in the immediate future or some of the tools that we found have been successful might be. I really want to do what I can to, to be helpful. And I think everyone's aware that, you know, the great resignation has, you know, to a certain degree made sure that we, we've uh, culled out the, the, uh, you know, people who are disinterested within the organization. So HR's new role is to retain and attract high caliber talent for when people start coming back to the workforce. So what I think some of the tools that are effective right now, they really depend on where, where the health of your organization lies at the moment. For example, um, you know, some HR professionals are really interested, um, maybe, maybe their job kind of straddles that line between HR and internal communications. So they're interested in engaging the, the work base and the, and the workforce. Um, how do you do that when the, you know, the, the temperature in the room is such that maybe you feel as though half your, your team has got one foot out the door? Well, you know, then you're looking at trying to find creative ways to get eyeballs and, and get ears and, and get people, um, you know, more active within the ecosystem. Um, one of the ways that I'm finding that organizations are having some fun around doing that, and it's also highly effective, is implementing internal podcasts, which, you know, since yes. we're on a podcast, we all know the efficacy of podcasts. It gives you an opportunity to have a more yeah. in intimate conversation and learn things, not only about team members, but maybe about subject matter that's interesting to the group as a whole. I've seen it deployed in a number of different ways where the the first, let's say, season is about, um, you know, interviewing people on the team. So the team kind of gets a, a cross-pollination of who everybody is. And, you know, you sit next to somebody, but you might not have known what the catalyst was for them starting their position yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And then other organizations, what they do is they take the, the vertical that they're in and they find experts and, and reach out externally to people and bring them in for those podcasts so that people are learning more about their jobs. There are any number of ways you can do that. Um, and another tool that, that we found that's really helpful, let's say you aren't afraid that attrition is going to be the problem within your ecosystem. The HR professionals are seeing that there's a lack of enthusiasm. There's a, a, a people have forgotten how to work together in teams and, and incorporate that that you know sense of play within their work. They're not being innovative. Um, we've partnered with some some HR directors to start a book club, and the book that we always start out with is called Testing Business Ideas. It's co-authored by David Bland and Alex Osterwalder. And what we do is we have the entire organization read the book and then come together in smaller pods or focus groups and say three or four or five team members, they'll talk about innovative ideas that they've had and they use the book to find unique and fun ways to, to business test those ideas. 
it's a process, but what it does is it helps to you know, re-strengthen, create some muscle memory for, from back in 2019 and earlier when we could all work together face-to-face. -face. It allows people to bring the ideas to the table, have the conversations, support each other, troubleshoot, figure out how to test, and then come up with something that works. Whether or not the, the ideas are something that you implement in the business, the value of this activity is to bring your people together so that they start working collaboratively again and they remember what it's like to give pushback and throw out ideas and brainstorm and, and get to know each other again. So those are, are two tools that we've deployed with HR departments that have been really helpful for the HR professionals to get an understanding of, of what the temperature in the room is and to help to bring people back to a sense of community. Team building is one thing, but community building is another one. The, the, the community building piece for HR professionals, I think at this moment is um, much more critical than team building. We want our organizations to feel like interconnected, interdependent atmospheres. And then I'd say that the last tool, um, and uh, this is just like a, a one or two minute quiz, um, is called the Attrition Prevention Survey. Um, we've deployed it on the L12 Services website. Um, it's a, an opportunity to gauge the health of the organization, but also it um, allows for HR professionals, operations professionals, internal comms professionals to um, get a couple quick nuggets or ideas about activities and um, tools that they can deploy you know, within their organization right now that can help them with their day-to-day. -day. Wow, you've given some really good um, nuggets there to help move things forward a little bit. I do like the idea of the internal podcast because I do think that that's a great opportunity for, again, um, opening up creativity and innovation. Um, and I also love the idea of just bringing people together um, to brainstorm and share their ideas. Um, I know a lot of tech companies do that, but it is possible to do that in any other industry because you're always looking to improve services. So I love that. And to me, that speaks a lot more about how HR professionals can become more agile, right? Um, and how they can move at pace. So that is a great introduction for, for HR into the, into the space of Agile, which is like my jam. I totally love uh, working in Agile organizations. <laughs> so, so thank you so much for sharing those ideas and those concepts. And I will add the book that you mentioned to the comments so that people can check that out as well. Because um, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard that, of that book or read it. So it's an excellent book. David Bland has quite a following on all the social media platforms. And I'll, I'll provide you with the link to the attrition prevention quiz because that's just a, yeah. a two-minute, um, you know, opportunity to, to take a deep breath and then allow for a little education about the, the current teams that you have and, and to find out a little bit more about some tools. So, Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. So we talked about ways that, you know, HR can prevent burnout of themselves from a work perspective. What about from a personal perspective? What are some of the practical things that you recommend for HR to, to take better care of themselves? 
Most people underestimate the power of process. They stick it in the back seat and forget about it until it's too late, but they shouldn't. Processes run the world, literally all of it. Stopped supermarkets, on-time trains, and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate interlinked processes. They are the secret sauce of every great company and HR teams are responsible for some of the most important processes of all. Onboarding employees, building teams, crafting culture. These vital systems are the lifeblood of every organization. That's why this episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show is brought to you by Process Street, the process platform of choice for HR teams around the world. Process Street is a no-code platform that lets you transform your most important HR processes into powerful workflows. Design beautiful employee onboarding experiences with extreme engagement that increase inclusion and reduce turnover. Sync tasks into Slack or Microsoft Teams, automate emails, handoffs, and so much more. Thousands of teams, large and small, trust Process Street to manage their most important people processes, like Salesforce, that use Process Street to onboard all the 3,000 Slack employees after the $27 billion acquisition. You can learn more and sign up for a free account at www.process.st. Oh, that's just pretty much talking about human beings on a human being level. And um, I think that it's really important, especially, forgive me if if I'm using the wrong terminology. However, in my mind, there is a certain caregiver aspect to most HR professionals. Yes, operations and programs and, um, you know, rolling out uh, support platforms, that's all part of the job. But I think in order to get into HR, you have to be a very compassionate, empathetic um, person. And in order to stay healthy while you're caring for such a wide variety of people on your teams or within your organization, it requires the discipline to take time away to care for yourself. Now, self-care takes any number of forms. It could be working out, it could be a hobby, it could be Bible study, it could be whatever. But within the business day, um, and this is probably not new information for anybody, but um, it's worth repeating and reminding, um, I firmly believe that blocking your calendar so that you can accomplish like tasks within a time period and adding buffer times on either side of both your work blocks and your meeting blocks is really critical. Um, I, I had a health scare last year where um, I was kind of taken out of the picture for about six months. And something that I've incorporated since I came back is I put a 30 minute block in my day every day to take a nap or at least just get away from my computer and lay down. Not something where I'm going into full-on REM sleep, not anything where I need to, you know, um, forego any of the critical work that I have planned, but an opportunity for me to honor myself, clear out the cash in my head, um, and and let my body recover. Because, you know, even just Mm -hmm. sitting at your desk, you're expending energy. And if you're always stressed sitting at your desk, that energy is 
almost toxic. So, you know, making sure oh, that psychologically you're, you're doing the things that fulfill you as a human being and keeping you at a place where you can model behavior, where you can dig deep into that well of compassion and understanding and listening, but also doing the things where, where your body can recuperate. Um, we're all getting a little bit older. We all have the honor of getting yeah. a little bit older. Um, so, so why not take care of yourself along the way? Yeah, definitely. I love that. The honor of getting older. It's true. <laughs> definitely true. I love what you said about spirituality as well, because I find that a lot of, when we focus on self-care, um, and we talk about, you know, taking that time for yourself to connect emotionally or disconnect, whatever, um, that we forget that spiritual component. So if you're a spiritual person, then it's really important for you to have that time for building your spirituality as well. So I love that point. Self-care is something that's really important to me. And I, I, I too have time slots in my calendar for just being away from my computer to, I take naps every day. Like <laughs> I, I have to say, one of the joys of being an entrepreneur is that I do have the opportunity to step away from certain times of my day that I can just take a nap and nothing beats a good 30 minute nap. Nothing beats it. Well, and it's interesting too, because if we look back historically, let's say 50 years, and we think about the, the design of an executive's office, there was always that full length couch in there. Couch. I mean, all you need to do is look at Mad Men and know that Don Draper took a daily nap. I mean, he also did a lot of other things, but, you know. <laughs> took a nap. He took a nap. He took naps too. <laughs> it's true. And we've, we've moved away from that. We've moved away from having long couches to having, you know, different things in our office. Uh, I see, like, whenever you watch certain movies, someone they have an exercise machine in there. But there's that couch is gone, right? And that's also part of what helped us to to build community too. You know, like have people come in the office and just sit and have a chat. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are, and this isn't. I mean, I'm going to sound like a boomer here, and I'm not. But I found that, uh, the value in um, slowing down. I mean, we have so much information surrounding us all the time whether we really elect to or not it's just there our world is is filled with bombarding information um the ability to sit and be quiet allows you to increase your pattern recognition significantly it allows you to think about strategy um and, and there's definitely a link between pattern recognition and good business building and relationship building you need to be able to yeah. see the overall patterns or tendencies within people and groups of people in order to make effective recommendations and decisions. Yes. You are so right. I'm so, so old. <laughs> no, no, I agree. Because like I said, I always feel like I catch my second wind when I get a nap. Mm -hmm. And Versus a day where I work through the day straight without taking a nap. I can see the difference significantly. So 
I really do think it's important to do that. Um, when I was in the corporate space and I would take my lunch hour sometimes and just, I'd eat my food away from my desk. Um, and then I go sit in my car, I turn it on, turn on the AC and I would sit and I would take a nap. So, because sometimes when you come back, especially if I'm working on something really complex, when you come back at it, you're able to look at it differently with fresh eyes. So I'm all for 100% supporting having some kind of siesta during the day. I think it's important. Yeah. But yeah, for self-care purposes, for our HR people, we just don't seem to know when to quit. Or I should say not quit, slow down, right? We don't seem to know when to slow down. And we are always in this caregiving space. It's one of the reasons why I've talked even more about HR professionals, not just burning out, but also having compassion fatigue and also experiencing yeah. vicarious trauma. And a lot of times when you look at the definition for compassion fatigue, it is attached to caregivers, caregivers, social workers, you know, um, first responders. And I would put HR under all of those categories, right? Because we are teaching people in our organizations we are caregiving, we are taking care of them, right? And we are the first responders when there are critical things happening in the organization. They, you can't do the certain things without HR support. So for me, when I think about HR, us as a people, as a profession, I know the first statement that you made about HR being the glue is 100% true. And sometimes we are experiencing all three of those things at the same time. Burnout, compassion fatigue, and vicarious trauma. Sometimes it may be any two of them, but it's never just the one. Yeah. Because the burnout is the, no, because burnout is tied to something else, right? What triggered yeah. the burnout? Some event that has led you to feel either trauma or compassion fatigue that over time keeps building up because you're not processing it to heal is leading to your burnout. Mm -hmm. And the complex nature of HR as a, a, you know, career choice. I mean, you know, the, the thing about having a good HR professional to work with is, you know, you turn to that person and say, in California, does this fly? You know, what is the, the latest policy on this? What are the best practices for that? Like HR professionals need to be, I don't want to say a jack of all trades, but they, they need to have professional insight into a wide variety of areas. And we call that T-shaped. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right? We're multifaceted. So you're a T-shaped HR professional when right. you're looking at a broad spectrum of things. Yes. And as a consequence of that, Unfortunately, there are leadership teams and C-suite professionals who will misunderstand the value of having an expert in the HR field and think that that means that that person is the catch-all for everything. Like when yeah. they have a great idea, like, oh, well, you know, Nancy does a great job with everything. We'll give it to Nancy. Well, Nancy is just about ready to fall off her chair. She's been overloaded because she does a great job. You're going to break yeah. Nancy. Yeah, she's at a breaking point and something needs to be done to help Nancy 
to get the support that she needs so she can be the best Nazi she can be. Right. And and that means, you, you know, doing the, the really unsexy stuff, like making sure her job description fits the work that she does and not asking her yep. to do anything outside of that. If you need, let's mm -hmm. say, an internal comms program or some sort of conference event, don't ask Nancy. Ask the people who work in that field. Exactly. Exactly. I had a CEO who once taught me something very powerful that has stayed with me to this day. And he said, you know, sometimes just asking the question, like, am I talking to the right person? Is this, does this person need to be in this meeting? Do you need to be in this meeting? Do you need to be a part of the conversation now or should you be a part of the conversation later? So just asking those questions makes a huge difference to your capacity, right? Being overloaded. And I always talk about, you know, the importance of doing an audit of your role. Sometimes people work in organizations five, 10 years, the job description that they were hired with on the contract and what they're doing now, two completely different things. And no one's had the conversation during a performance review about how do we, you know, make this make sense for the HR person, right? We're doing it for everybody else, but we're not doing it for ourselves. And so auditing the role, making sure that the person, the capacity or the work of workload that you're putting on the person is enough. And if it's too much, how do we give it to somebody else? How do we create a new role? How do we make some of this move from being a manual process to a technology, um, technical process where we could put technology in place. All of these things are things that we could be asking to help support HR more. I mean, this is a conversation we could talk about all day. But we only have 30 minutes. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, and, and that's where I think that the value of our services, um, really comes into play because that's really time intensive work and it, it yep. requires um, having people dedicated full time to assessing the channels of communications that, that you're using and having the interviews with the individuals to make sure job descriptions are in alignment and focusing the departments to make sure that workflows actually are streamlined and represent the way we work today versus the way we worked in 2019. So while HR and the operations and the internal comms areas are all keeping the wheels on the bus by doing the job and pursuing the goals of the organization, we work in the background to perform that work so that it gets done and your people stay satisfied, if not, you know, overjoyed to be working with you. And then you can yes. move forward with already having this tied up in a, a nice package um, and deeper insight into what your workforce is expecting and interested in and what types of programs you could deploy to support them, what you don't need to have on, on your plate anymore. Um, because it, it's impossible to under, understate that the world has changed. The world has completely changed the work world, the, you know, external world, the extracurricular world. Um, we are not, in the same place um, as we were two years ago with regard to the way that people work. And so aligning organizations with that reality, um, you know, it, it takes additional people and usually an external third party can get to the root of it fastest. Yes, definitely. 
And I, I, you've said so much, but I totally agree with it, um, everything that you've said. Oh and I, I'm so glad. <laughs> and I'm so glad that you exist, you know, to help people um, in organizations streamline these things and really get to understand the root cause of why there is this high attrition or how we can improve retention or, you know, how we can understand process and work tools and put them in such a way that people don't feel burdened. And I'm glad also that you're focusing this to, to HR as well and navigating that gap between HR and C-suite. So thank you so much, Elizabeth, for, for doing all of that. Tell us, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would enjoy? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> as far as reading is concerned, um, my husband made fun of me. I just picked up um, Proust and it, it's going to take me a while because apparently it's like the longest book in you know written history. Um, so I'm, I'm doing a little bit of intellectual reading, but it's specifically to disengage my brain because I have a hard time stopping thinking about work when I go to sleep. Yeah. So I don't know if anybody will enjoy that. Um, what, <laughs> I, <laughs> what I'm um, really interested in right now, though, is urban hikes. I live here in Washington, D.C., and I'm making it a point every week to hike around the city in a different direction um, maybe it incorporates going to a museum or a memorial or, you know, one of the historic sites. But, you know, I'm making sure that I get, you know, five, ten miles of walk-in um, just to see my own city. And I think that it's kind of important to, to do that, not just because, you know, I live in a culturally diverse area, um, but it's, it's getting me back into the habit of, leaving my house, leaving, leaving yeah. my office. Um, I, I kind of lost that momentum during the lockdown and I'm really embracing that right now. And I would encourage other people if you, you know, if you have the ability to, if it feels good in your body to do that, yeah. getting out, getting with nature, turning off, disconnecting all of that stuff. I'm, I'm really a big fan and promoter of that um, at the moment. I'm, I'm seeing the benefits in um, my mind and the way that I'm thinking and my capability to um, engage in pattern recognition has increased significantly. Nice, nice. I like that. Thank you for sharing. Last big question for you. What's the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Ooh, that's a good one. I think that in the beginning of my career and, and my uh, just ignorance of what HR was, I was under the impression that it was a group of people that told me what I couldn't do and what the rules were and that probably sat around and gossiped behind my back. Like I was, mm -hmm. I was very untrusting of the whole concept of HR. You know, fast forward several decades, obviously that's not where I come from now, but I think that people new to the work world, you know, this, this young and upcoming generation may not be as familiar with HR um, as people who've been around for a while. So I would encourage them to use HR as a resource and realize that it's not just about 
complaining or personal problems that HR brings to the table programs that help you learn about finances, programs that help you to uh, engage in wellness, programs that help you if you're part of the sandwich generation and you care for both children and, you know, aging parents. HR is filled with resources and tools and support structures and systems and mechanisms that are designed to make your job something that you feel confident in and comfortable with. And even if you don't necessarily get along with your direct HR report person, generally speaking, there are many others within the team that you can turn to if you feel like you haven't had that opportunity for relationship development with your assigned person. So um, I, I would encourage people who don't intimately know the ins and outs of HR to take a moment to see how you can take advantage of the beautiful buffet that they've laid out in front of you. Um, mm. That is uh, a labor of love on their part. And they got into, yes. they, you got into this type of work because um, they, because of compassion and because of problem solving. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What a wonderful way to end our show today. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to, to be here, to share your knowledge and your experience, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that our audience are really going to enjoy listening to this episode. What's next for Elizabeth? And can you tell our audience how they can reach you if they wanted to learn more about what you do and engage your services? Certainly. Um, the, the name of my firm is L12 Services. Uh, we are a team of anywhere from six to 12 people, depending on the need of the client. Um, we have our website at l12services.com. So that's the letter L, the number 12, one, two, and the word services. And the social media platform that I'm on is LinkedIn. I don't really participate in any of the others. Um, but I do try and share some information and it's really easy to catch me there because the spelling of my name is really unique. It's Elizabeth yes. without the E at the beginning and then Wesley hyphen Casella. Um, just start typing that out and you pretty much will find me. I don't know if any other people that You're name. the only one on LinkedIn for sure. <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. And my I wish pleasure. you all the Thank best. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all of the episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.